in this episode of Influencers, ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott. Our customers more and more realize that IT is not just supporting the business, it has actually become the business. If you have great ideas and you can innovate and build solutions that the customer doesn't know they need yet, but once they get them, they don't know how they ever live without it, then you're doing something important. If you see inflation numbers come down and you see monetary policy stabilize, you're going to see the markets run. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, Bill McDermott, CEO of ServiceNow. Bill, nice to see you. Great to see you, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for coming here today, Bill. Um, why don't we start out by uh, talking a little bit about ServiceNow. Sure. Maybe some people aren't so familiar with the company. SaaS, what does that all mean? Right. Tell us about ServiceNow. Amazing company. Uh, as I said, we are uh, about to celebrate our 10th year as a publicly traded company on Friday at the Stock Exchange. A gentleman named Fred Luddy, great-hearted innovator, wanted to build a platform that made people's lives better. So it gave you a little bit better day on the job and made all of the work flow more smoothly from IT to the employee experience to how you service your customers and even how you build new applications to innovate a better world. That was 10 years ago as a public company and now ServiceNow is a global sensation. So we are in the business of helping customers achieve their dreams. So what would be an example, say, if I'm a company and I have a need for ServiceNow, exactly what would you be doing for me? I just left the one on the Upper East Side, so the conversation was fresh in my mind. He, this particular CEO says, I have to have IT digitally transform my company. I need my company to be secure. I have to manage my assets. I have to smoothly run my operations so I can give my employees a great experience where all the things they need are in one portal and they can access everything on their mobile so I can recruit them, hire them, onboard them, train them, manage every need that they have and do it with a great user experience. And this CEO was very smart. He said, hey, most everyone that leaves my company leaves if I don't give them a great onboarding experience. The same is true for the customer. And in this case, it's, it, this is a healthcare company. So they have to give the patient a great experience. And it's all mobile. And how you go from one department to another. I go from x-rays, I go to surgery, I go to post-surgery, I get prescriptions. All this has to be done on the mobile with great efficiency. So your case is perfectly managed, all visible, all beautiful to use, all on the mobile. So that was that particular need in healthcare. All industries have similar issues with giving employees, customers, great experiences. That's what we do. You know, it's interesting. I hear people like yourself and other people in enterprise software, SaaS right. software, B2B software. you got to make it exciting, Bill, yes. right? Because it's, by definition, maybe not so exciting. So can you, <laughs> can you talk about that? How do you energize your employees and your customers? I think the idea, first of all, is you have to have a great culture. And, you know, we have to help customers build their great culture, but we have to have a great culture too. And our culture is really based on innovation. 
and building something that never existed before. And, you know, the world that I see is a world that I call dantatsu, meaning mm -hmm. better than the best. So what kind of word is that? That is Japanese, mm -hmm. and it means basically better than the best. Mm -hmm. If we're already the best platform in the business, how do we get better? How do we make our customers get better? And what's unique about our platform, and why I do think it's super exciting, it's one platform that can single thread business across an entire enterprise, all functions of a business. So it is a great unifier in a sense, because some people have very powerful chief information officers, others have chief digital officers, others have chief people officers, others have these wonderful data managers, but to have one platform that single threads all of those powerful relationships to deliver great experiences is super exciting to us. And our customers more and more realize that IT is not just supporting the business, it has actually become the business. Your product is the digitization of your service. And ultimately, the cloud is the pervasive computing theme of the 21st century because it simplifies everything. Everything's on the mobile. Everything's beautiful and easy to use. These experiences have to be magnificent. And we have to turbocharge them by speaking the language of our customer and helping them take care of their customer. A lot of people talk B2B, B2C, B2B2C. I talk business to people. All right, I knew you'd have a good pitch and a good answer <laughs> to that question. Having said that, um, there are headwinds right now for all businesses, and you know the company has been growing like crazy over the past five plus years. I think what are you up? The stock is up with three hundred twenty-one percent versus the S and P, which is sixty-five percent over the past five years. Year to date, though, down twenty-eight percent, which is about double what the market's down. Um, and like your peers, of course, same yeah. kind of thing. Right. How's the business doing right now? I know you were on talking to our Brian Sazi just a couple weeks ago yes. uh, with earnings. Thank you for that, by the way. Honor. Um, so, so what kind of growth are you looking at right now, and is it slower than before? No, it isn't. It's actually, you know, what's interesting about this company, Andy, we're growing at a rule of 60. Hmm. So if you take our revenue growth and you take our free cash flow growth, this is the only SaaS company at scale growing at the rule of 60 doing it with 25% operating margins, which is unheard of, especially with the macro crosswinds that you're talking about. The key message is this, the digital transformation tailwinds are a lot stronger than the macro crosswinds. 95% of CEOs have a digital first strategy. So they're leaning into digital transformation because it's the only way out. On one hand, it's software is the great deflationary force, on another hand, if you can transform and recreate your business model and innovate digitally, you lose the game. So CEOs are very well aware of this. So that tailwind is super strong. And in our case, what we've uniquely done is we, become, we have a $11.5 billion in backlog right now. They call that RPO or this remaining performance obligation, $11.5 billion. So it's not run pass option. No. Run pass option is what we call on the field every day. Right, we have to it. read, yeah. react, got run it. pass yeah. option. Yeah. Um, but in a great standing of revenue like that, it's indicative of a 99% retention rate, 130% expansion rate with existing customers because they love us. And they love us because we build great products. And what's unique about ServiceNow, it's done it all organically. 
So this isn't an M&A story. Everything has come hard-earned through great engineering. Our engineers are the best. And our go-to-market people love the customer. And if you have great ideas and you can innovate and build solutions that the customer doesn't know they need yet, but once they get them, they don't know how they ever lived without it, then you're doing something important. And that's kind of what we're all about at ServiceNow. You know, throwing around this SaaS and some other acronyms, yeah. that's software as a service. Right. Who are your competitors, Bill? Um, and how are you better than they are? Or how do you think you're better than they are? It's a really important question because that's how we differentiate. I look at the world through the eyes of the customer. And the customer today has great hyperscaler options. If you look at the hyperscalers, AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Azure, these are great companies and they have great businesses and they're gonna keep growing. So customers are moving their infrastructure to the cloud. The systems of record that they built in the 20th century, financial systems, HR systems, customer systems, they're there. But they're not actually agile enough to keep up with the ever-changing demands of the marketplace you referenced. Everything is read and react, read pass option, it's happening quick. So we uniquely don't compete with the systems of record or the hyperscalers. We are kind of the control tower for digital transformation. So on one hand, we can move the workloads to the hyperscaler cloud, get good efficiency for the customer. But we are that single-threaded platform that resides above the system is of record, to give users a great experience. And you take the data from those difficult to use systems, those very complex systems, and you put it into one simple architecture that can give the consumer an unbelievable experience. I'll give you an example. A CIO that I will meet today wants to meet me because she said, Bill, I've got security solutions all over my company but I don't have one single pane of glass where I can observe everything in one shot. So I can look at the vulnerabilities. I have assets. I have them everywhere. I don't even know what my hardware and software assets are. I just know that my CEO told me, take a lot of costs out of my business. We're right on it. We'll take care of it for her. And she'll have an unbelievable experience with ServiceNow. So that's the IT component mm -hmm. of it. Everybody today is looking at jobs and are companies hiring, are they slowing down hiring, or are they laying people off? Either way, you got to make your people much more productive. Right. And how are you going to increase that productivity per employee? Again, something we're very focused on. How many people work at ServiceNow? Almost 20,000 now. And what kind of footprint do you have globally? And in line with that question, Bill, is it more difficult now to have a global business given what we're seeing with the relationship with China and even the relationship with Europe with different privacy regulations and oversight? Talk to us about that. Yeah, um, first of all, you know, when I think about the global economy, I really think we got the world by the tail because there's no architecture that snaps in to all these different economies better than ServiceNow. So for example, in Europe, we have lots of customers that have operations in Ukraine and Russia. They have very expensive headcount on their books and they either pulled out of Russia or their employees are in a bunker in Ukraine, therefore not too productive. 
So we bring mass efficiency to the equation to help these customers take cost out of the equation. So we're relevant there. We don't have operations in Ukraine and Russia, so we don't lose anything on the revenue side. If you look at Europe in general, Europe has more large-scale 20th century systems per capita than the United States. So they really have to go to the cloud, and they really need a modern architecture like this to innovate, grow, and get much more efficient. So outside the U.S., the opportunities in Europe are amazing, and so, too, are the opportunities in Asia. And I'll be in Japan in September. We're announcing a new release we call Tokyo. So, Andy, we release two major software revisions each year, one in March and one in September. We name it after cities in the world. We did one in March, which was a total sensation, where we took RPA, robotics process automation, process mining, uh, machine learning and AI operations, all integrated into our platform. This release is going to be all about how do we take this future of work, people that are working from anywhere, how do we navigate these complex office structures and give people choice? And no matter whether you're working at home, you're on the move, or you're in an office, with ServiceNow, we can navigate your journey so beautifully and match all the big projects in a company, everything that's going on in a company, to the most skilled individuals mm -hmm. who are trained and ready to achieve that mission. All of this is seamlessly done on the mobile. So when Japan sees the opportunity to move to the cloud with ServiceNow, they'll do so in record numbers. Doesn't sound like you're doing business in China, though? We're not. Okay. And right now, candidly, Andy, it's not a great time to enter into China when you have so many other places geographically and by industry and persona where you can grow the company. So we're not going to make a move into China at this stage. Interesting. And you talked about, I think you said you had very low attrition. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the job market, though, for you guys. Yeah. It, it's, it's competitive for everyone. Right. Still, even though there's, there's talk about recession. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. But what's it like with uh, trying to recruit and retain? It's amazing right now. We have hired 10,000 people through the COVID crisis. And I so you doubled your, your workforce, Doubled basically? our workforce in, in the COVID crisis. And we're hiring on a per capita basis less than Stanford actually admi admits. So it's hard to get into service now. We're really focusing on fingers on keyboards, and great go-to-market people. So engineering and customer service-oriented people, whether they're selling or servicing, taking care of that customer is job one. And we have had no problem because the little ones had a great story, come here and get rich quick. And people have realized that's not such an easy thing anymore. And then the big ones, um, you know, they have very fine companies, but this is a little bit more exciting and a little bit more high beta on the growth and the opportunity. So kind of like right in the middle where you have global scale, very low risk and great leverage and people love it. So let's go back to that recession point. Um, what's your take on that, Bill? Do you think we're going to be heading into a recession and what are customers telling you? I think most customers are preparing to be in a recession. I think there's a chance you could have a technical recession, but I don't think it'll be long-lived. I do believe that as the monetary policy becomes a little bit more predictable, and perhaps even loosens, let's just say, a year from now, if you see inflation numbers come down, 
and you see monetary policy stabilize, you're going to see the markets run. Because business is great, and the business for digital companies like ours is fantastic. And actually, I see the tailwind coming into the market again, where people are now saying, okay, I've done the great reprioritization. I know which platforms matter. I actually know what those platforms do. I'm doubling down on digital transformation. So I see that tailwind actually reigniting even stronger than it was before these macro crosswinds became popular to talk about in the last 90 days. So I think growth is back, especially for digital companies. When do you see that actually taking hold, though? I mean, do we need to see a resolution in Ukraine? Um, do we need to see this cycle turning with the Fed? Yeah, I think that the Ukrainian situation is unpredictable and probably could last a while. And I don't think that'll be a bellwether mm-hmm. for the overall co- uh, economy anywhere in the world. Yes, the supply chain complications are there. Yes, there's issues. And of course, it's a humanitarian crisis beyond belief. And we're all heartbroken to see this happening. It shouldn't be happening in the 21st century. It's hard to actually stomach. Um, But that aside, it won't be the determining factor in the economy. I do think inflation's the big thing. So once inflation stabilizes or starts to come down, I think that is going to be a very, very good sign. And I don't think it'll take that long, given the tightening of the monetary policy, not only in the United States, but now also in Europe. So I'm actually really optimistic right now that you could have something technical, short-lived, and I think the economies are actually going to be fine. Speaking of Europe, you know a little bit about that because you were the CEO of SAP. What's the biggest difference between running a company, a European company, and an American company? Speed. I think the big thing is speed. And uh, to me, the greatest asset in business is speed. One thing about American companies, you know, we're not shy on bureaucracy either, but um, it is a little bit more of a challenging structure when employees and external board members participate equally in the management of senior management. There is more protocol, there is more channels that have to be operated through to get stuff done. So I just think we move a little quicker. Um, That's not always good, by the way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. more checks and balances is very positive, and I think employee representatives play a very important part in European companies if management and the employees are on the same page. But on a day-to-day basis, it's just faster to operate in the U.S., you're a New Yorker. You live in California, though, now. Talk about the differences there. What do you like more, <laughs> West Coast or East Coast? Come on, well, you know, serious. A lot of people ask me, like, what's the best place you ever lived? Do you love mm-hmm. living in California, or do you love living in New York and Germany and other places? And I always tell them the place I'm at now is my favorite place because mm-hmm. it's true. And I've loved them all, just like I've loved all the jobs I've had in my life. You know, Which company do you like best? I love them all. Um, but I love where I am now at this moment in time. So I really like try to inhale life and feel life. Feel life in terms of where I work, where I live, the people I surround myself with, be alive. And I never look back. You know, I'm not even a guy that can look at pictures without getting a tear in my eye because it's so emotional. Because I want to feel alive every second of the day. And that's why I love California. I'm now a California resident, have been for a while. And uh, I expect to stay there long term. All right, let's talk about your roots, though. Yeah. Growing up in the New York City area from Amityville originally, 
your grandfather was a basketball player and then you started a deli when you were young. <laughs> Talk about some of those experiences and how formative they were for you, Bill. So, so formative. You know, I, um, I said in my book, When is Dream, uh, to my mother Kathleen, everything I was, am, and ever will be, I owe it all to you. And I do. But the other person I want to give a lot of credit to is my dad because my dad is a hardworking guy. Worked for Con Edison. You know, I still see him chiseling the ice off the, da off the windshield to go to his uh, shift, his midnight shift, working in the manholes in New York City, putting those big cables together so the lights went on. And I always admired my father's work ethic. But my, um, my grandfather, Bobby McDermott, was a Hall of Fame basketball player. And I think, you know, not, I never had a chance to really spend any time with him because, unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident at 49, so he died too young. And I was uh, a little over two years old when we lost him. But my dad tells the best stories. And he could bring my grandfather to life for me like nobody else. And my grandfather was not only a great player, but he was a great competitor, and he was a winner. And just getting that built into my character at a very young age. But also, my grandfather wanted to win, but he believed in teamwork. And it was never about how many points he scored. It was always about the team getting the win. And him scoring nothing would have been fine if they got the win. And I think that's why he became a player coach. You know, today you look at these great players, and there's many great players, but none of those players are also the coach of the team. Yeah. And my grandfather not only played at a Hall of Fame level, but he also coached the teams he played on. In fact, uh, in, in the world of basketball, I know you and I love sports, you know, George Mikan was the, great fir the first great big man in the game. And my grandfather and, and George Mikan won world titles together. They used to call him Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. And, um, you know, Mikan told some incredible stories on what it was like to play for him. And, uh, you know, all those things just shaped my life in such a positive way. And then you went to work at Xerox, right? Yeah, I, um, I ran my own uh, business, as you said, a delicatessen business. You know, I learned a lot there because I also put a video game business as a sidecar to that deli. And I realized quickly that that's where the money was in young people throwing quarters in machines. So, you know, I tell a story in the book. One of the customers I had worked at Xerox, and he would come in every morning for his coffee before he got on his train and all that. And I said, you know, I want to get into one of them big buildings in Manhattan. I want to get in a suit and tie like you, and I want to go in there and change the world. So I sent out 100 direct mail letters to IBM and Xerox and wonderful companies like that, and Xerox was the first one to respond. And uh, I'll never forget getting my break at Xerox because my dad took me to the railroad tracks that morning to put me on the Long Island Railroad. And I said, I guarantee I'm coming home with my employee badge in my pocket today. And my dad said, hey, Bill, you're a good guy. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. I said, I guarantee it. I go into uh, Manhattan, get to the hiring center, end up on several interviews that day. And at the end of a long day, I sit down with the big boss, Emerson Fullwood, like we're talking here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interview's over, and he said, Bill, it was really nice meeting you, good young guy. The HR department will get in touch with you. And I said, Mr. Fullwood, I don't think you completely understand the situation, <laughs> sir. And he kind of looks at me, head tilted a little bit. I said, I haven't broken a promise to my dad in 21 years, and I guaranteed I might have my employee badge in my pocket tonight when I went back to Long Island. And uh, 
He looks at me and, and he said, Bill, as long as you haven't committed any crimes, you're hired. And I said, well, <laughs> I haven't committed any crimes, so does that mean I'm hired? So I get the job. I run down uh, you know, the hall, get to the elevator down 38 stories, 9 West 57th. I go to Bun and Burger at 58th and 6th. I had to pluck quarters in the phone, call up my mom and dad. I said, Mom and Dad, I got good news. I got the job. Break out the Corbell. <laughs> and of course, you know, as you know from being a New Yorker, that's, you know, Corbell is, that's Cristal if you come from Long Island, yeah. man, you know. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, that's a great story. Um, Bill, uh, some people don't know, but you lost sight in your eye yeah. uh, in an accident. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Sure. As a, that was also a, a life-changing event for you recently, yeah. right? Yeah, it was. Well, I actually um, was in a, a, a serious um, accident. You know, I've told the story many times, but, you know, um, the, the eye doesn't hold up very well to a, a sheet of glass going through it. Um, so um, I did lose that battle. But actually, one thing I really learned about the whole thing, you know, I went through several surgeries. I ended up uh, uh, losing my eye. Um, but I got a new one, and um, it's fine. Um, but what I learned is, like, we're all going to get hit with these thunderbolts. And I got hit with one, and if that's the... You know, if that's the worst of it, I'm a lucky guy. Um, and I think the key to this whole thing is just recognizing how blessed we are. Because at the time, I was pretty worried about it, in the sen not in the sense that I get back to my career and everything, but I was just um, pretty worried, like, wow, what does this mean? Like, how will people be with me being different now? And I was a little worried about it in the beginning, and then I realized it actually worked in my favor because maybe I was a little too perfect. And maybe now that I'm not so perfect, I'm more approachable. Maybe I even got more empathy in my heart and my soul than I ever had before. Maybe we can connect on a more human level because people tell me their stories and the challenges that they have in a superhuman way. And they volunteer them in ways that they never would have if they didn't know I went through something. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I also learned, Andy, that you know, vision is not just what you see. It's how you feel and how you make other people feel. And every day I wake up and I see everything. And like I see things now that I wouldn't have seen before. And I think it's just beautiful to be on, on this planet and, and be alive and be well and be human and have a chance to experience something like that and come back. So um, I love being, you know, the comeback kid in that context because a lot of people didn't think I was getting up, but I had no doubt that I would get up. And some great perspective there, Bill. Um, some people have suggested you might be interested in running for office at some point. <laughs> what do you think about that, becoming know, a politician, man. running you know, for president, anything like that in your I, future? You know, it's, it's so amazing. Like, I really sit back and I, I follow it every day. I follow the markets every day. I follow the political environment every day. And I follow the idea of public service very carefully. Um, because I think if, um, if I was to push the clock real forward, because I got a lot of work to do here at ServiceNow, and this is the work I love doing, and I'll be doing this for a while, but I'm still a young guy. And is there a chance someday that I would make a contribution in public service? I think I have to, a, lot, a lot to do with, am I being called upon to do that? And uh, you know, you have to be in that moment at that time to see what the circumstances are and then the will of the people if they need you and if they are calling upon you to do that. 
I find it hard to believe that I would um, just wake up one day and say, I don't want to be a CEO anymore because I want to run around and fundraise and, <laughs> and do that. I, I, I think it would be much more there was a calling and, and something happened that, that brought me to the table, but never say never. Well, that sounds like a maybe. So if you were having a conversation with President Biden right now, Bill, what would you tell him the most pressing issues facing our country are and what advice would you perhaps even give him? I think the whole thing comes down to restoration of the American spirit and the American will to do things that have never been done before and recognize that with every single challenge we have, our opportunities are greater than ever. And as you lead through these turbulent times, recognize that others have too. And the more confident we are, the more belief that we have in ourselves, and the more we actually dream bigger than ever before, the more likely we are to find circumstances that no one else can, that only this country can. And I would be very focused on that. You know, what is our moonshot? What is our moonshot for this generation at this time? And it can't just be the tactical things that we have to struggle through every day. Yes, we have to do them, and we have to do them to the best of our ability. But the even bigger dream is on a mountaintop, and we got to find where that is, and we got to point to it, and then we got to go get it. All right. Bill McDermott, CEO of ServiceNow. Thanks so much for thank visiting you. us. Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thank Appreciate you, it. Thank you. You've been watching Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at Serwer.